All right. So, uh, we're going to read a couple of passages of Scripture from Ephesians. Uh, chapter 1, a section from chapter 1, and then another section from chapter 3. Um, so, starting at verse 17. Uh, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. In chapter 3, for this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know his love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Lord, we pray uh, today that you would speak to us. We know that there are things uh, that you want to say, things that we need to hear. And so we ask you, Lord, uh, give us ears to hear. Give us hearts uh, to understand and, and to, to grasp that we might know you better, that we might move deeper today into relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I, I've been thinking a lot I've been thinking a lot about Riverstone lately, and just you now I think about Riverstone from time to time. Um, <laughs> but I've been thinking just lately. I've been thinking more. I think about Riverstone uh, than normally, and and the question that's been uh, kind of running through my mind really is, who are we, uh, and and why are we? Uh, I remember in 1999 we started the church, and during that first year. Uh, there was a fellow, many of you know, uh, Dudley Hall. Dudley's a pastor in Texas. And Dudley Hall came to, to speak to us. And, and he said two things that I'll never forget. One, he said to our leadership team, he, we did a little mini uh, day and a half retreat 
with the leaders, the pastors and the elders at the time. And, and Dudley talked to us, and then he preached on, on that Sunday. And what he said to the, to the leaders was this. He said, make sure that you always have life begging for structure, not structure looking for life. And, and when he said that, it made perfect sense to me. Uh, but I had no idea how uncomfortable it makes people when you have life begging for structure and how comfortable it is to have structure looking for life. But it still makes sense to me that you should have life begging for structure. The, the other thing he said, though, that, that was really interesting at the time, um, he said, he, he stood right on the edge of the platform and he looked at our, our church and he said, there are 400 churches in Cobb County. Why does God need another one? And we're brand new. And then he said this, you will need to justify your existence. You will need to justify your existence. Now, I don't think you do that by being big. I don't, I don't think being big justifies your existence. I think being healthy is certainly more important than being big, and I, I know there are a lot of uh, big churches that are not necessarily healthy. I don't think you, you justify your existence by being famous or being, being known. I, I, if by being known you mean being known by God, then yeah, that, that would be good. I would like to be known by God, but, but fam famous is not, not important. I certainly don't think you justify your existence by being busy, uh, by doing more and more and more and more stuff. Uh, I, I think as a church, I would rather be a Mary than a Martha. Uh, but I will hasten to say that Jesus loved both of them. Uh, he, he didn't love Mary and hate Martha. He loved them both. He just told Martha, in this particular instance, Mary's chosen the better thing. Um, our founding pastor, many of you know, uh, Charles Sineth, he was our founding pastor. And the best way I can describe Charles is, Charles was a gospel preacher. He was a gospel preacher. And the thing that he really loved, and when we were starting the church, that, that he was just unswervingly committed to was biblical integrity. Uh, I think Charles would have said, I want... Uh, to know the word and do what it says. I want to know the word and do what it says. And I think Charles would have said, it's better for us to change our lives to fit what the Bible says than to try to change what the Bible says to fit our lives. And, and so that's kind of maybe one of the first things that, that we were giving ourselves to and really caring about uh, we love the Bible. Uh, if you're new to Riverstone, uh, you need to know that about us. We, we love the Bible, and, and biblical orthodoxy is important to us. It's important to me. I, uh, 
Theological education is important to me. That's, that's why uh, I was willing to uh, go back to school in my 60s uh, to get a doctorate because theological education is important. And that's one of the reasons why the young guns, and I don't know if they know that that's the, what they're called, um, but our young guns, the young guys that, that preach from time to time, most of the time they preach to me before they preach to you because we care about theology. We care about the Word of God, and we, we care about rightly dividing the Word and being sound in what we believe and what we say we believe. We, we love the Bible. Uh, we love prayer. Uh, we want to be more than a church that prays. Uh, I, I don't know if there are churches that don't pray. I guess maybe there are. Um, Jesus said, my father's house will be a house of prayer. And so we love prayer and, and want to give prayer the place of priority. Not that it just deserves, but that it requires. You know, if we're going to be the people that God has called us to be, and, and, and I'm going to come back to those verses that we read and, and read them again uh, at the end because you can't read those verses in Ephesians and have a small view of the church. You can't. Paul is saying that the church is the expression of the fullness of God. Do you want to try that without prayer? Good luck. We love prayer. We want to be a church where prayer holds priority, the priority that it requires we don't want to be a, a church where prayer is the last resort. We want to be a church where prayer is the first thing, where everything that we do is born out of prayer. We, we're not interested in making plans and then asking God to bless our plans. We want to ask God what the plan is. So, um, We love encounter. We, we do. We love encounter. And if you look at what we do, I think it's pretty obvious that we love encounter. Uh, the way we worship, uh, the way we do ministry time at the end of a service, uh, if you've ever been to the night of healing prayer, uh, if you've had a sozo, you, you know that we, we believe in encounter. Uh, we believe that God is not just someone you think about. He's not just someone you sing to. He's not someone you just study about, and read about. He is someone that you can actually have an encounter, a living encounter with. And all of these things that I mentioned, all these things that we do, worship, ministry time, sozo, night healing prayer, all of those things are done from a posture of high value for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We don't want to be in this without him. Our church is given to the idea that God is actually in the room. Think about that. I mean, it's mind-blowing, really. If you think about it, that is just mind-blowing. We're, we're not worshiping and praying to a God who's millions of miles away in heaven. He's in the room. We are in the presence of a living God with an opportunity 
to engage his presence and be changed by him. We also, we, we love being apostolic. And, and some of you don't even know what that means. And that's okay. Because in 1999, my wife had a dream and we hadn't even moved here yet. We were still living in Athens and my wife woke me up in the night and she had had this prophetic dream and, and she asked me, what is the apostolic church? And I said, I don't know, and went back to sleep. <laughs> but then the next day when I woke up and began to think about it, I was impressed by this apostolic church idea and I had to figure out what it was. And I started looking for books on the apostolic church. And guess what? I couldn't find one. They're everywhere now. But in 1999, I couldn't find one. And then about a month after she had this dream, I get this package in the mail from a seminary professor. And it's got a little note on it that says, I've written this book. It hasn't gone to the publisher yet. I was wondering if you would read the manuscript and tell me what you think of it. And I open up the package, and it's the Apostolic Church. I'm like, God, thank you for sending me that in the mail. <laughs> and so, you know, this whole idea of being apostolic we kind of think, you know, we immediately think of, you know, the Apostle Paul and the apostles who, you know, the disciples. But being apostolic really is more than that. It's not that in that sense apostolic, but uh, apostolic comes from a root, root word that means to send. And so we are apostolic in the sense that uh, we don't want to keep what we have. We want to send it. We want to send it out. Now, that's the reason we plant churches. Now, we plant churches because we don't want to hoard. We want to share. Uh, we want to see multiple churches who value and go after all of the things that I've already talked about in, in multiple places. We want to plant as many churches as we can in as many places as we can. Uh, we have missionaries uh, we're apostolic in the sense that we send missionaries to other places. We, I was sitting here before the service uh, praying and just watching the screen as it listed missionaries that we have, that we have sent from here. And I was making a special note of how many of them actually grew up here. Uh, grew up in this church and have gone out from this church uh, in Asia and in the Middle East and in South America and in Europe uh, to take the gospel around the world. So we're apostolic in the sense that we send people uh, around the world. We're apostolic in the sense that people have left here to go into ministry full-time in other places, at other churches. We're apostolic uh, in the sense that uh, people like to church hop. You ever thought about that? I'm, let me just tell you, people like to church hop, in case you didn't know it, and that means that they just go from church to church to church. Sometimes they stay a few months. Sometimes they stay a few years. But I'm going to tell you, I'll promise you this. You can't come to Riverstone for any amount of time and not take something with you when you leave. And so even the church hoppers are carrying out the apostolic mission uh, that God has placed on us. Uh, and also, we're apostolic in the sense that people come here to recover did you know that church life is something you need to recover from? 
If you, don't, if you didn't know that, you, you've never been in full-time ministry. <laughs> Church life is something you need to recover from, and, and we have people who come here broken and hurt and wounded. Uh, they're not broken and hurt and wounded by God. They're broken and they're hurt and they're wounded because the church is full of people who are broken and hurt and wounded. And we tend to break and hurt and wound each other. And so people, we, I can't tell you how many pastors have come to just sit in our chairs for months or years in order to heal, just to be here, just to come, not do, to do anything, but just to come and to soak in God's presence. And, and God has anointed this body with, with a healing spirit uh, that brings healing physically, spiritually, relationally, and, and emotionally. And, and those people come, and they sit here among us, and God heals them, and then they go back out and, and serve again. So we're apostolic in that sense, uh, and we love being apostolic. We also love uh, community. We, we have discovered through the years that, that we really are better together. Uh, we've discovered together as we've read the Bible and read the, the letters of Paul and the gospel uh, messages that the Bible is written to people not to a person. It's written to groups of people. It's written to churches. It's written to a family. And there's not a whole lot in it that is purely for an individual. It's primarily a message to the family of God. Uh, Ray Ortland lists uh, in one of his books what he calls the one another's that you can't find in the Bible, in the New Testament. So these are the one another's that you cannot find in the New Testament. Humble one another, scrutinize one another, pressure one another, embarrass one another, corner one another, interrupt one another, defeat one another, disapprove of one another, run one another's lives, confess one another's sins, intensify one another's sufferings, point out one another's failings. Uh, the Bible is full of one another's. Those are the ones that you can't find, but the ones that you can find are that we can carry one another's hurts. We can carry one another's burdens. Uh, I don't particularly like the phrase, when I, when I look back to 99, I, I don't really like the phrase, justify your existence, to be honest with you, because I don't really think we have anything to prove. I really don't. Uh, I think that rather than trying to justify our existence, we've just made a choice uh, to try to be something. Rather than trying to do something, that would justify our existence. We're trying to be something. We're trying to be a church that is given to the idea 
that God is in the room. Uh, When Paul prays for the church at Ephesus, he's praying for us. For the last 30 years, um, my message has been, don't settle for less than God has offered. And if you read again, and I'm going to do that, I'm going to read again. If you read the words of Paul in Ephesians, What God has offered is unfathomable. It's unbelievable. It's enormous what he has offered. But again, my message to you, and I think our message to each other, is don't settle for less than God has offered. So I want to read again from Ephesians 1. I want you to just listen, even if it helps you close your eyes and listen as we read from Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. And then chapter three. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. How can you read that? 
and not run out the back door wanting to just change the world today. He's in the room. He's in the room. And guess what? You are the room. (laughs) You are the room. He is in you. He is powerful. He has and is empowering you, not simply to survive the culture, y'all. He doesn't live in you so you can survive the culture. He lives in you so you can transform the culture, so you can change the world. And so today, if you feel powerless, we want to pray for you. If you're unsure of God today, we want to pray for you. If you've settled for less than God has offered, I would put it this way, if you've settled for less and it's caused you to be unsettled, we would love to pray for you. So I'm going to invite our teams to come and get into place. And if they would do that quickly, that would be great. Here's, here's why we do this. We do this because we believe. Number one, we believe in the power of prayer. Number two, we believe that God is in the room. We believe that he's in the room. We believe that he is in these people. His, his spirit and his power is in these people. And that he is able to transfer from them to you. If, he's, if you've given yourself to him, he's in you. And it may just be that you need some help fanning the flame. And, and we would love to pray for you today to fan the flame that's in you. But it could be that you don't know him at all or you know about him, but you've never surrendered to him. And, and we believe that if you come and these people lay hands on you and pray for you and you surrender your life to him, he will come. Even now, even today, in this moment, he will come and live in you. So I want to ask everyone to stand. We're going to worship together. We're going to linger here for a bit. Um, I know that... um, Oftentimes, after one song, I'll I'll come up and dismiss you and um, probably not going to do that today. So, just pray. Just ask the Lord. Don't, Don't rush out until you've given him a chance to do in you what he wants to do today. Okay.
Lord, we believe that you are here. We believe that you brought us here for a reason. There's, we don't believe that there's a single person in this room who's here by accident. But you have made an, an appointment with all of us. And so I pray right now for the grace to simply say, have your way, that your will be done in us, let your kingdom come here. In Jesus' name, amen.